Lainey Crowell, the founder of Say. We make beautiful, high-performance, clean makeup products at Sephora nationwide. And what I love about beauty is how it makes me feel and that everyone can choose their own adventure. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Welcome, Lainey. We're so excited to have you here on the show today. We've been lucky enough to know each other for a long time since we were kind of just starting out in the industry. You have a pretty incredible story about how, you know, you ended up founding your own brand. So let's get into it. We have known each other for a long time. <laughs> let's not put a year on it, but maybe <laughs> we won't put a year on it, but we were at Lucky Magazine and you could always find me in the beauty closet, even though I didn't work in beauty. And I think it was like a very early telltale sign of where I was going to end up. I think so too. And so give us a little bit about your background, what you were doing in magazines, and then how you transitioned into beauty brands and then into your own brand. So I started out after college really feeling pretty lost. I had majored in math and economics with a double minor in French and psychology. And you know, most people that had my major went into consulting at McKinsey or Bain, and that wasn't right for me. I definitely wanted something more creative. And I happened to get a assistant level job at a movie production company, Lionsgate. And I remember very, very clearly, I'd been there for maybe a little over a year. And the guy that sat next to me was like, you know, you never read scripts. You're always reading magazines. And it was true. I read magazines like I was doing research. I mean, I cataloged pages. I clipped things out. I read every single page of magazines. And I said, you know, that's true. Like I don't read scripts the way I should be if this is the industry that I want to be in. But it, it never was. You know, I never was like, oh, my dream is to work in movies. I love them, but I wasn't obsessed the way everyone else that was there was. And it was pretty noticeable. And I had always loved fashion and beauty. And my parents, though, they were my mom was a diplomat. My dad was a lawyer. They didn't really know what to do with that. But I somehow decided that I was going to move to New York City and I was going to work in magazines. I mean, I was like, I am going to be on that masthead, really calculating in my mind how few jobs there are when you think about it. And I didn't want to be on the publishing side. I only wanted to be on the editorial side. And I moved to New York. I really didn't know anyone. I had gotten a internship at Gucci, the brand. And I took it because I felt like it was just one step closer, which it was. The Gucci team got a email from Elle magazine saying, we're looking for interns if anyone has any. And they referred me to the Elle fashion team. And I worked there full time for free as an intern five days a week for quite a while. I paid the bills by hostessing at Barbudo restaurant on the weekends and after work. I really struggled to get my foot in the door with like a paying position. It was really hard. I mean, 
there just were so few jobs and it really a big part of it was who you knew. And I got my first job because I introduced myself to the editor-in-chief of Lucky Magazine in Banana Republic. I'm pretty sure it's Banana Republic. It might have been J. Crew, but it was on Fifth Avenue, right above Washington Square Park. And I, I recognized her because I read the magazine religiously and I knew her photo and I loved her editor letters. They were so, they just felt like you were talking to a friend. And Kim, I introduced myself to Kim. She left the store and I I said, this is it. You have to do it. And I like kind of ran out after her and I was like, Miss France, Miss France, can you give me some advice? I just can't seem to get my foot in the door. And she gave me her business card and she called me in and that was how I got my first job in fashion news. Wow. Sometimes you just really have to take the opportunity when it's right in front of you, right? Take the risk. (laughs) You do. And it all comes down to who you know. And that's when you talk about opportunity and you talk about people that have more opportunity than others. I think that's a really big part of it. And so, you know, that was one opportunity that I created for myself. And she said in her email to me, she said, you know, a big part of being in this industry is fearlessness. And the fact that you introduced yourself to me. And I actually remember when I went in for my probably like second or third interview at Lucky, the fashion director, Hope, she said, you know, I really just wanted to meet you because I've had moments in my life when I've wished that I introduced myself to someone. And I was there and it was where I kind of really learned about magazines and how they work and the fashion. I mean, I'd been an intern, so I knew a lot about the fashion closet. And um, that was where I really got to spend time with the beauty department. And Dawn, who you know, she was my best friend and we were always together. And she taught me a lot about beauty. So that was my first job. And then I pretty quickly saw that there was a big movement happening online. There was jobs being that were being taken away from print that were sometimes getting created over in digital. Like it was kind of a little bit of an in-between time. So I went to a startup that was like a startup online magazine called Stylecaster. And they're still around today. And that was where I learned everything about digital. So in between there, I went back to L for a while and then I went to the startup, but that was really where I fell in love with social media and the speed of digital. You know, when you're working in magazines, you're working three, four months out and you're not being able to have a true connection with your reader because it's print and it gets delivered to their home. Whereas with social media, I just, I fell in love with the instantaneousness of it and the intimacy as well. And so while I was at Stylecaster, brands that I was covering started asking me for help of like, well, how do I do this at the time, completely free marketing through social? Um, And so I started, you know, helping brands a little bit on the side. And then I got a call from Estee Lauder and I really felt like that was my moment to do what I'd always wanted to do, which was to try beauty. I love that beauty is for whoever you want to be. It has nothing to do with your size. It has nothing to do with a lot of those things that really felt like barriers to entry in fashion. The clothing I wanted was really, really expensive. Whereas you can get the most covetable makeup item for not that much money in the, when you're comparing it to fashion. And so I went and I was really excited to be in house. I was really excited to see what it was like from the inside of a brand because 
when you're in magazines and you're an editor, you're you really have no idea what goes into creating a product, let alone a brand. And so I went there and it was basically like getting my master's. I learned from such incredibly talented people, true like industry veterans who taught me about communications and brand building and marketing. And of course, I got to do really cool things with social because I was starting all of that for them. But it was such a great learning as to like how to present an idea, how to sell an idea in. When you're at a brand or company that's that big, a corporation, it's very different than at a startup, you know, where I am now. It's, I tell my team all the time, I'm like, I think I created 20 decks to convince Estee Lauder to go on Instagram. I had to really pitch and prove my point. And at the time I was like, oh, this is so frustrating. Like everyone else is already on Instagram. Like I just want to be on it. But that training was invaluable. And I was there for just about five years. And while I was there, there were things that having not been in beauty before really stuck out to me that just really didn't resonate. And I wanted to create, I wanted beauty to be better. And so I left with this really big idea of beauty being better. Everything from the images that we're looking at, the ingredients that are in the products, the conversations we're having, the focus on sustainability. I had no idea how it was going to materialize. I definitely did not leave with an idea of like, I'm going to start a brand. So I started consulting and I started working with brands and I probably had 10, 15 clients that were all startups. And so I was, and a lot of them were beauty and a lot of them were clean beauty. And so I was exposed to all of these brands launching, raising money, doing all these things. And it was a whole new world for me. And I didn't realize at that time that it was really an incredible education moment for me as to how I want to run my company and how to avoid mistakes, how to not waste money, how to find partners. And, but I did, I started a blog to have that conversation about beauty being better. And I knew instinctually that the blog was not my end destination, but that it was important. And on the blog, we, I love creating content. So for me, it was just something that was like a true passion project, but we had conversations about meditation and nutrition and of course products, but it was just this much bigger conversation of what does beauty mean and what does it mean for it to be better and what does it mean to have it feel good. But from the moment, the day I started the blog, brands started sending me products to review. And I had a true aha moment about six months after starting the blog where I went into the beauty closet that I had to make in my apartment because I was getting sent so much stuff and I had all these bins and every bin was overflowing except for the makeup bin. And so like a true social media manager, I went on social and I just started asking our community questions of like, well, what makeup brands do you like? What what works? What doesn't work? And at the time, there were so few clean makeup brands. And my community said very, very clearly what they wanted. They wanted products that were luxurious, but not too expensive, that were chic, but sustainable. And it was kind of this new idea of what luxury means. 
It's not about price point. It's not about packaging. It's about a conscious thoughtfulness. And that's what Say is today. It's really that conversation is what we built our brand on. It's where the name of the brand comes from. You say it, we create it. When I was working on the name, I kept going back to that conversation. And funny enough, one of the women that I work with at Sephora was actually part of that Instagram conversation. That's so funny. What are the chances? Full circle. So from when kind of the idea for the brand crystallized to obviously now it's totally like established and in Sephora and, you know, doing so amazing. How did you kind of like get it off the ground? Like, how did you get suppliers? Like, how did you, obviously your formulas are different than a lot of other brands. So how did that all come together? The packaging, all the little details that kind of make the brand what it is. So it was probably about two years from the moment I started full-time like working on it. I needed to raise money. I needed to build my team. The first thing I did was I started building my team because I knew that I had to have the best formulas. I am a beauty lover. I'm very passionate about the products that I put on my face. I have very sensitive skin. I'm extremely acne prone. So I spoke with a lot of product developers, but I'd always had in my mind working with a woman that I'd worked with at Estee Lauder. And coincidentally, she had just left and she was moving to LA and I pitched her on the idea and she was really excited about it. And we worked really closely for about two years to develop a lot of our formulas, but really kind of the basis at which we formulate, which is you know, seeped in say science, which means that we formulate all of our products with, I mean, I think the basic way to think about it is if you look at our ingredient list, it's skincare with a little bit of pigment, but we have a way in which we formulate, a proprietary way in which we formulate that allows our formulas to penetrate your skin barrier. And that's by always having a base of what we call SFAC, say fatty acid complex. And each product has its own unique SFAC, but we always start with that so that we can penetrate your skin barrier. We can get true acceptance. And then all of those like nourishing ingredients that we stack on top are what create that melting effect into your skin and that true glow from within. That's why you experience that signature say glow. It's why you notice your skin like plumping almost immediately after you apply slip tin and do blush and all of these really nourishing formulas. But I didn't have any money to pay her. So I had to, I sold all my stock at Estee, that I had gotten from Estee Lauder while I worked there. So I had this little pot of money to work with to get the project off the ground. I don't know, I maybe had like two, three months of money to play with. And so I had to urgently raise, raise money to do all of the other things, the, the packaging, the website, the branding, you name it. And so I, I kind of hit the ground running and it was a very, that was, I always say that mo- the most difficult part for me is fundraising and not because I'm not good at it. I think I'm actually pretty good at it. It's because fundraising is really hard. You know, 4% of VC dollars go to women. And you're trying to convince a room full of generally men that people need clean makeup. (laughs) That'd be like someone convincing me about like a football app. It just doesn't resonate. 
you know, it was a lot of like giving samples for their wives to try or their coworkers to try. So it took me, I think, four very intense months. Like when I set my mind to something, I just don't stop to probably the detriment of my health. And so it's funny when I go back to New York City now, I it's almost like I go back in time because every street and every corner and every building, I remember it was pre-COVID. So I tracked everywhere for in-person meetings with every investor. And I probably got a hundred no's before I got the yeses that I needed to raise my seed, but I did it. And our lead investor, Unilever Ventures, was really like, that's the hard part about raising money. Everyone's like, oh, this sounds great, but call me when you get your lead investor. So, and you're like, that was going to be you. Cool. Okay. And you're also like learning a whole new language about equity and types of safes versus convertible notes. And I did it all by myself. I don't have a co-founder. I don't have a partner. It was a very intense period of time. I just spent some time with some other entrepreneurs last week who were in the process of fundraising. And I was like, they were telling me just how defeated they feel. And I was like, I remember getting off the subway. We lived in Fort Greene at the time and not and feeling like I couldn't even walk home. Like the walk home from the subway felt so daunting. Like that's how emotionally and physically exhausted I was during that period. And I share that just because I think it's really important for people to know the lows that go into building a brand. And how did you kind of keep yourself going through that hard period? I once listened to a podcast with the founders of SoulCycle. And one of them said on the podcast, she said, it's like the phone has rung and you've answered the phone and you are given this idea and you can decide whether or not you're going to do it or not. But, and that was what that say was for me. Like I felt so passionately about this brand and the space that was available to it that I wasn't going to not do it. There was no way in which I wasn't going to do it. Maybe I would have had to launch in a much smaller way. Maybe I would have had to raise money later, but there was no way I was taking no for an answer. And I definitely credit my childhood as an athlete as to helping with that. Like my parents were incredibly strict about the fact that we had we had to play a sport every single season and we never missed a practice. And, you know, when you study athletes, that's it. It's perseverance and it's transition time. Like those are the things that lead to success as a athlete. And I think it's the same as an entrepreneur. You know, you have to have that mental strength to say, there's no way I'm not going to make it. And that was kind of my mantra. I was like, I just have to get up more times than the next person. I just have to keep having more conversations and more meetings. And eventually it's a numbers game. I'm going to get there because I know that this is an incredible idea. And I know that I'm the right person to execute it. So once we got the funding, I mean, that was amazing because then I was able to work with a branding agency, which they are, it's an agency called Combo. And the founder, Compono, and I are still quite close. We, we, we worked so hard on every aspect of the brand because I wanted it to create butter. I wanted you to get butterflies when you opened up a say box. A, you know, a lot of clean makeup at the time 
you felt like you were being punished for choosing something that was good for your skin. And I wanted it to be the opposite of that. I wanted say to be just as exciting as NARS or those brands where you get just really excited about getting it. And I worked with the agency on our website. They're an agency also out of New York called Human. And I just worked with them again. They created the website for the Everybody Campaign Pro Bono. And I hired a little bit more team, but I've always been very lean and mean when it comes to team members. I think it's about quality, not quantity. And we finalized our packaging. We only launched with three SKUs. And what was the thinking behind that? Because obviously some brands launch with like 30 SKUs and it's more rare to see fewer, I would say. I also, you know, I've received influencer and beauty packages for a really long time. And thinking through the lens of every single SKU that we make is a hero product, it never made sense to me to launch with more. And the beauty look that I'm very inspired by is that effortless, chic, New York, French woman who doesn't have a ton of products layered on top of her skin. You can still see her the skin's shining through. And so our approach has always been you know, pretty minimalist and and also that every single SKU has to be a hero. I'm not going to make a dud just to create a, a new product. And we had a launch article in Women's Wear Daily that went out a couple months before the brand launched. And the next day I got a call from Sephora and we started talking And, you know, once they knew that we only had three SKUs, they were like, okay, like you're not quite ready, but like, let's keep talking. And after we launched Glowy Super Gel, we started talking again and we signed our contract to launch with them nationwide. But remember, this is all happening during COVID. We launched brand um, in November of 2019. There's no words to describe what the next year looked like. It was terrifying. I had no idea, you know, what was going to happen to the brand and how we were going to keep going and what was going to happen to sales. And it was terrifying. None of us had ever been through a pandemic before, but our products really resonate. Every product we've had has been so well received. And a big part of that's because it comes from our community. So we have a private Facebook group called the Clean Beauty Crew where we work with that community, which is now over 4,000 people, to decide what we're going to launch next. So we're very tapped into what is of the moment, what people are excited by, what people are looking for, what they really answering like their needs. So then we, we launched at Sephora nationwide in 2021, and it has just been such an incredible partnership with them. We're exclusive at Sephora. You can also find our products at Goop, which was our first retailer in 2019. But we're very closely with Sephora. They're incredible partners just across the board and have been so important to how fast we've grown. It's so wild when we have meetings with them and we hear about our ranking and our stats because it feels like it's out of a dream. Like I always wanted to be here and to have arrived feels very surreal. I'm sure. Obviously, retail in-store versus online, has that been, has it changed at all since 
you launched and what what does that look like for you guys as a brand? Oh, for sure. I mean, I've always been very passionate about in-store because that's how I prefer to shop. So we put a lot of creativity and resources behind that experience for our consumer, even though it's happening at Sephora and not technically our own space. The consumer is really loving in-store right now. Understandably so. I mean, I think we all are just so happy to be out and about and being able to purchase in store and touch and connect and talk to people. And I think you know, there has been a little bit of a shift in terms of shopping for discovery versus shopping with intent of, I saw this on TikTok, I need to find it, you know, that sort of thing. That's really interesting. And as obviously the, the brand grew, you know, and started larger distribution, how were there any challenges in that process? And how did you kind of work through that? Oh my gosh. I mean, everything has been a challenge because supply chain just got so wacky during COVID. I mean, factories shutting down, things taking twice as long as they were supposed to, out of stocks, increased prices, freight costs skyrocketing. I mean, there's really was no, there was never a dull moment. And thankfully, we have an incredible operations and supply chain team that has navigated it. But, you know, we're out of stock of Sunglow right now. Sunglow went viral on TikTok and is still going viral and we just can't keep it in stock. I guess that is a good problem in some ways. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's really exciting, but also, you know, challenging because lead times are just longer. That's just the way it goes. And so what do you see as the brand continues to evolve in the future? Will you kind of stay in the makeup lane? Will you expand or? I am really excited right now about telling our sustainability story. So from day one, we have made huge investments in how we keep our carbon footprint as low as possible, how we offset our carbon footprint that we do create. And because we've been moving so fast, we haven't spent the time to really tell the story. And so something that I'm working on right now is visiting our partners that we've never gotten to visit before. We know we're we're plastic negative certified, and that's through a company called Repurpose. They are amazing. And basically what we're doing with our investment is that we are, you know, funding the ability to remove plastic from waterways. And so we support a project in Goa, India. There are 10 rivers that lead to, that carry the majority of the plastic waste into our ocean ways. And so repurpose is targeted on those rivers. And so this project, I, we've never gotten to visit before. So we're going to be going to India all of our cartons are made out of FSC certified paper, which means they the paper used on our cartons is responsibly sourced. We purposely don't coat our cartons. We invest in biodegradable stickers, but we're going to be going to the forest to see the trees that are being planted and cut down and meet with the farmers that supply FSC certified trees. We work with 1% for the planet. And so that means that 1% of our sales goes towards organizations that are protecting our planet. And one of the programs we work with is called Coral Restoration down in Florida, where they are growing and restoring coral. So we're going to go scuba diving with them. And all of our merch is, well, the majority of our merch is vintage. 
We have a line called Say Vintage. So we're going to be going and meeting with our vintage curators out in LA. So I'm really, really excited about that and all of that storytelling and content creation and really just uh, some we've never done it before. I mean, we've talked about it, but like we've never been able to show it. So I'm really, really excited about that. I'm excited to see more about it too. I, you know, I've known a little bit about it, but even what you just said is more than I knew that you guys are doing so. And it's so important to consumers now. It really is to kind of get a little bit below the surface and know what is behind the brands that they love. And it's not just makeup. It's more than that. And I know you have done so much, so many initiatives in the past two that are pretty incredible. So excited to see. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's something that is just part of who I am and my soul and my core. And so that passion is real. It's not something that we're doing after the fact, which I feel very grateful for because making the sustainable choice is always the more expensive choice. And so to be a huge brand and make and have to change your whole business model would be really, really hard. But it's who we are from day one. It's who we've always been. And then, yeah, we're going to be gearing up for the Everybody campaign in October, and we're hoping to double the size of the campaign. Can you just give our listeners a little synopsis of what that is? Yes. So after Roe versus Wade got overturned, I felt passionately that I needed to do something and that it was 100% the beauty industry's place to be talking about women's reproductive justice because let's face it, we're an industry that's primarily started by, run by, and profiting from women. So to not be standing up for women's rights to me just felt wrong. And so we started the campaign with almost no time. I think we had like six weeks. I mean, it was the timeline was wild, but we had 37 brands on board and we were the largest reproductive rights campaign that the beauty industry has ever had. We raised $170,000 in a week. And so this year we are looking to double that because as we all know from looking at the news, the effects of Roe versus Wade being overturned are immeasurable and devastating. So we're going to be partnering with a couple organizations and supporting them both with our efforts. And I'm really excited about it. And, and I want to just keep growing that. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, it, it says a lot to put your brand behind something, a cause that is so, you know, there's a lot of different initiatives that brands do, but that really stands out. And, you know, to be willing to kind of put yourself out there like that is really commendable and incredible. So at this point, uh, we'll ask you if you have a final thought you want to leave our listeners with and how they can connect with you personally on Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever. Yeah, you can find say at Sephora nationwide, sephora.com and sayhello.com. Make sure to check out our new Glowy Super Skin Foundation. I am obsessed with it. It is the most lightweight, hydrating foundation ever. And I am not a foundation wearer, so that's saying a lot. And of course, our other heroes, Glowy Super Gel, Dew Blush, Slip Tint, the list goes on. And I'd love for everyone to follow Say on Instagram at Say Beauty and TikTok. We are having so much fun on TikTok at Say Beauty. And you can follow me personally at Lainey and my DMs are always open. I love connecting with people who have questions about 
your career or products or anything. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Lainey, for being with us today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Check back soon for another great guest. I'm April Franzino, and this is Beauty is Your Business. This has been Beauty is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.